Thus spoke St. Alia of the Knife. The Reverend Mother must combine the seductive wiles of a courtesan with the untouchable majesty of, of a virgin goddess, holding these attributes in tension so long as the powers of her youth endure. For when youth and beauty have gone, she will find that the place between, once occupied by tension, has become a wellspring of cunning and resourcefulness. From the Muhadib Family Commentaries by the Princess Irinola. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yep. I feel like every time I want to say, yeah, we are. I think that's going to be your thing. Is I that, think you should do that. Should that be a part of <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> your two cents on the end. Yes, yes, we are going to read some Dune. <laughs> Chapter three. Chapter three. This one was a lot less uh, uncomfortable than the last one was, I think. It doesn't end with a giant fat dude walking out of the shadows. So, (laughs) yes. But there's a lot going on in this chapter that even reading it through for like the millionth time that I did before this this, uh, recording here, there's still stuff popping out to me that I am now just seeing with new eyes. So this should be fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, as you know, I read this today. <laughs> I, st- <laughs> I started, um, actually last episode, I realized that it was better actually for me to read this, the chapter, like the day of, because I actually remember the stuff that, uh, happened. Um, so far it's working out, but I feel like a bad student, you know, yeah. But I feel like this is actually the best because right. this is, you should record right after you read it because you're like, what happened? Right. Exactly. And that's so, what we're trying to provide here for the peoples. But yeah. Okay. So transparency for the audience. Also, last mm-hmm. week we did not record because I did not read the <laughs> and you know, I think I said it in one of the other episodes. I'm like renovating an old, old, old RV right now. And that's taking up my whole life. But hey, I did it this week. You made it. So because it's been, um, it's been a, a little while extra than it normally is. I started reading this chapter and the chapter starts um, with the Reverend Mother saying, well, Jessica, what do you have to say for yourself? And it was near the sunset. It was near sunset at Castle Caladan on the day of Paul's ordeal. So my question right off the bat is when they're saying ordeal, are they talking about the test that um, Paul just went through? Is that, I just want to clear that up. Yeah, right away. This is happening on the exact same day that chapter one happened. Okay, cool. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, we are still the time frame. We have not moved at all. It's like the end of the day, and this is kind of the last thing. So the Reverend Mother shows up, and in the end of the chapter, she leaves. She's only there for one day, right? So this is, and she's been sent from probably the Emperor or the higher ups of the Bene Gesserit to, uh, you know, see what Jessica did and investigate for herself. Gotcha. I thought she was like the tippity top of the Bene Gesserit. Did I have that? 
mixed I up. I wouldn't I wouldn't say she's tippity top, but she's in the top. She's so in the top like of the pyramid. A, there's like a cohort of people at the top of the right. Benet Okay. And she's been sent to investigate what the hell happened here. Yeah. And you have her yeah, basically saying, like, yo, Jessica, are you proud of yourself? Like, you've just messed up thousands of years of things. Right. Because what? And it's like the first uh, the first words even Jessica says is like, poor Paul. Like, her mind is completely fixed around what what is Paul doing with all of this? Like, what if I set him up for? What will his future be? Right. She's... Um, she is like in this tension between being a good B'nai Jesuit and just being a good mom and like wanting to take care of her kid. Right. Even though she wasn't supposed to have the kid that she has. And that's why the B'nai Jesuit can be so like, she says later on in the chapter, like there, I only exist to serve and the Reverend mother kind of just laughs it off. Like, uh-huh. You did a great job of that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who did you serve there? Yeah, not our interests, but the Duke's interests. So right. thank you. Um, <laughs> right. So the Reverend Mother kind of questions like you and your pride, you thought you could, you know, produce the Gizrak Haderach. And Jessica's like, maybe. And Reverend Mother was like, uh, no, pretty much. Your only thought was the desire for the Duke to have a son because he wanted one. And now, you know, look at our plan was an Atreides daughter could have been wed to Har- an Harkonnen heir, sealed the breach, but you've complicated the matters and we may lose everything at this point. So good job. Way to go. Which is kind of like semi-disgusting when you think about it because if Paul would have been a girl, he would have been an arranged marriage to the Harkonnens probably either fade or to the Baron. And that would have like, there's like, there's like some miss up there in the bloodlines and that's the kick, the key connecting points. Right. Is the Baron who we met last chapter and all of his evilness. And then the Atreides. Definitely the yin and yang effect here. (laughs) Jessica, Jessica says, I vowed never to regret my decision. How noble the Reverend mother answered. No regrets. We'll see how you as a fugitive with a prize on your head and every man's hand turned against you to seek your life and the life of your son. Right. Jessica says, what I don't, is there any alternative alternatives? But a Jesuit should ask. And then of course the Reverend mother has this weird ability to foretell the future. Yeah. But some would say that she's not really seeing the future. Instead, she's, planning what the future is going to be and then reworking all the strings to make that happen. Right. And she said at some point, um, what I don't see it in the book is she said, uh, I see in the future what I've seen in the past. So it's kind of like her, her clairvoyance is more like guesstimation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's backwards, not forwards. Right. So that's a clear distinction. Cause Right after this, she, um, the Reverend Mother kind of like scolded Jessica, like, you know how this works for the B'nai Jesuit. So when you become a Reverend Mother, you get access to all of the female memories in your bloodline. I just go back. So she's talking to all of those other 
lifetimes mm-hmm. and says, and they're all saying, well, if, you know, of all of our collective experiences, this is what's probably going to happen. So good job. Right. And, and then we bring up Chom, right? Because the Reverend Mother kind of lays it all out like, oh, crap. Like, this is, this is how it's going to play out is that currently the emperor and his friends command 59.65% of the Chom dictatorship. And so when they see what's about to happen with the Atreides um, in history, usually they're looking for their profits. They're going to take the money. They're going to cut the Atreides up and continue just to gain wealth. And so there's pretty much nothing that anybody can do to stop that. Right. And so that's where Jessica was like, I will, I will shield him. And it's like, okay, really? What are you going to do? Um, shield, the old woman snapped. We know how much weakness there. Shield your son too much, Jessica, and he'll grow strong enough. He won't grow strong enough to fulfill any destiny. So there's this thing that like, you got to put your, uh, your children through hardship or they won't grow up. They got to go through their own battles. Right. It's like dirty kids live longer. Yeah, it's true. They, they got to fall down. They got to get hurt. They got to like grow thicker skin. Otherwise they won't get through life. That's, I mean, that's sound wisdom, right? Right. I, I think so. You got to fall down in order to get back up. Right. right. We'll learn some things. Batman begins. I like it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jessica turns away, look out the window. Is it really that terrible? This planet of Arrakis? Right? So this idea that like, oh, don't shield your son so much, but also we're going to go to the worst planet in the Imperium. Right. We're going to go to the harshest place in the universe. But um, the Reverend Mother says, bad enough, but not all bad. The missionary productiva has been there and softened it up somewhat. Okay. 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 What is that? We're just going to push a pause on that one. Okay. So we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about how crafty the Bene Gesserit are. Okay. So in their schools of thought, right, they take these girls and then they train them up in these Jedi-like ways. Right. You get to a certain point, you move up, or you are, your bloodline gets used to create more of a thing, like right? as Jessica is doing. She's not full Reverend Mother status yet. But if you aren't like you haven't reached that level yet, you get sent off to be part of the missionary productiva, which means you have been instilled with all of the knowledge about myth and religion making so that you can then instruct the native inhabitants, whatever in any planet, kind of the ways of their secrets, codes, and passwords that a Bene Gesserit will use in a system within a culture to like be safe. So it's a safety protectionism, protecting mechanism. Okay. So they send out all of these nuns to pretty much sing songs and become teachers in a community to kind of build up certain mythologies that can protect the Bene Gesserit. And they have been implanted into a native place. So what she's saying here 
is that the Fremen, the people on the planet of Arrakis, there's been a code word embedded into their subconscious bully system that if Jessica can get to them, she will be safe. Okay. Okay. So, like, are they are they kind of, like, tainting an already existing religious belief that the Fremen have? Or is it, like, they go and establish a new kind of religion or, or, or like, way of life, theology, whatever you want to call it? Like... So they, they would study the myth-based systems of a culture and okay. then like put their own myths into it. So say we have a hero structure, they would say, okay, we're going to use this, but this means this, 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 and this now to work within our system so we can use that when we need to. Gotcha. So they insert their own lore and their own kind of agenda into the pre-existing religious beliefs of the people on the planet. Which are, yeah, which it would be pretty easy to politic almost okay. and like re in like because all of religious belief in Frank Herbert's mind is based off like a single platform that you can just build layers on. Gotcha. And so you then, when you're going through the B'nai Jesuit school, you would learn all of these different cultures and how they've changed and evolved and what the code words are to get in in certain places. Okay. Cool. Kind of sketchy, but cool. Right. I mean, and it's, I think it's funny that these, uh, these nuns go into kind of do what missionaries do, which is sing songs and, and play with kids and teach nursery rhymes until they've grown up through the generations. So that just becomes implanted. Man, that's dark. That's dark. Okay. <laughs> well, good thing that the Bene Gesserit's sole purpose is the peaceful evolution of mankind. So they can't all be too bad, but they do have some tricks up their sleeves, and this is definitely one of them. Right. So that's going to be a key point is if, if so the Reverend Mother is kind of like foreshadowing, like, by the way, everyone's going to hunt you down. Everyone's going to want to kill you. If you can make it out alive and kind of protect your son, we have some code words in certain places that may be able to keep you safe. Who knows? So it's not all bad, but it's still the roughest planet in the universe. Full of sandworms. We'll get there. (laughs) That's like the only thing I know about where the story is going is that (laughs) there are at some point sandworms, like giant sandworms. Dang it. I I think in the next (laughs) chapter. It doesn't help me at all right now. The next chapter, Paul will start studying all that. Okay. Okay. So at this point in time, Jessica's like, ah, crap. But the Reverend Mother's like, I'm sorry. Like, this is what you chose. You had a choice. You're going to have to, like, walk this out. I wish I could trade places with you, but I can't. Kind of a good luck. Maybe you got this. There's nothing we can really do anymore besides salvage the pieces. So you wanted to talk to me about Paul's dreams. Let's, Let's have that conversation. Right. Because that's where I think, because Jessica's been training Paul in the B'nai Jesuit ways kind of secretly on her own. Mm-hmm. And she thinks she's got a thing like he's having these dreams that are reoccurring that the B'nai Jesuit can't look backwards, but Paul can see forwards for some reason. And she's right. like, not what only is are happening? The dr- not only are the dreams reoccurring, they're also occurring, <laughs> which yes. is the, the freakiest part. Right. 
So Paul wants to see what's going on. Um, and so Paul, you know, Jessica said, well, you know, what did you dream last night? Was it worth remembering? Paul says, yes. I dreamed of a cavern and water and a girl there, very skinny with big eyes. Her eyes were all blue, no whites in them. I talked to her and tell her about you, about seeing the Reverend Mother on Caladan. You know, Paul then opens his eyes. And the strange thing, you tell this strange girl. You know, what's he, what do you say? And Paul says, yes, I tell the girl you came and put this a stamp of strangeness on me. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before that, this oh, is something back. I didn't understand. Yes. Um, she said, and the thing you tell the strange girl about seeing me, did it happen today? I'm yeah. like, wait, what? Okay. Is he, are they talking about like, does he see this girl today? That's what I was, that's what I was confused about. He probably was. Cause he's in, that's a, that's a great point. So while Jessica and the Reverend mother on her in one room, he was in like a meditation room, soundproof meditation room, probably mm-hmm. for most of the day. Oh, okay. Well, the Reverend mother's there. So he's probably in a, you know, slowed down his breathing in a meditative state, probably seeing things at this point. And this is the, like something in a sub that's waving in front of his subconscious. So possibly that's a very good point. Yeah. So that's what it seemed like to me. So I didn't know if that's what was happening. Like, are you telling me that this girl that you saw, you're going to see later today, you know? Yeah I, think, yeah, I think it was happening at least that day. Like, yes, I've seen her and this is what I tell her. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And he says, anyway. yes. Anyway. No, I, that, that's a whole other trippy thing that this is... I don't want to say it's prescience quite yet, but his ability to like be in touch with the future, what it could be, that is trippy. Right. And that's what almost gets... Um, because he's like also unveiling this and talking through it. It says, and she says, tell me about your waters of your homeworld, Usul. And Paul opened his eyes. Isn't that strange? My homeworld's Caladan. I've never heard of the planet called Usul. And Jessica's like, is there more to the dream? Like, is what's more happening? And then Paul's in his own place. Like, yes, but maybe she's calling me Usul. Paul said. I just thought of that. Yeah, he's like verbally processing. Right, like, huh, maybe this is what's actually happening. Is he's just so confused about what's going on. And I think this is where the Reverend Mother, she won't say it out loud, but I think she kind of thinks, holy crap, this might be the person we're looking for. Right. Like she comes seeking the Kizrak Hadarak, a male who truly can become one of us. Your mother sees that possibility in you but she sees with the eyes of a mother possibility. I see too, but no more. She's also like, we learned from the last chapter with her in it, like, like constantly suppressing hope inside of her because there was that moment where she was like, Holy crap. Is this kid that no, 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 stop. You know, like that hope clouds judgment or whatever it was that she said, like, and she's like, actively trying to be like cynical and like logical to a fault almost. Yeah. Yeah. And so then Jessica kind of prompts Paul, like, Hey, don't you want to hear more about this Kizrak Hatterack? Maybe like Jessica still kind of believes 
And the Reverend Mother sticks around. She doesn't like walk up right away. He's like, she's like, do you want to hear what happened? You know? And then Paul's like, quotes like, yeah, everybody you said tried it has died. So why do I care? Like, right. <laughs> I'm not going to follow that same pattern. Right. Which like in the, in the story just seems like adolescent, angst you know like well just everybody dies who cares but like in the in the joseph campbell uh hero's journey world that's kind of like the refusal of the call you know that's that's luke saying i can't be a jedi you know it's like i can't leave the farm right it's that moment where the hero always says like i don't want that who cares you know that's some good juice right there yeah good juice man and so, of course, he then takes, he was like, fine, you want some hints? I got some hints. But I don't think he really knows anything. So I want right. to Paul is being like real spicy. Like he's, he's being kind of a jerk to the Reverend Mother this, he's almost, this, in this interaction. He's almost speaking to her like he's like an equal of some sort of this. Yeah. Right. And, and he, he even came in and it said like he nodded at her like an equal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what it says. Right Arius veiled his eyes when he glanced at the Reverend Mother, but this time he nodded to her. The nod one gives an equal. He's like, "What's up? What do you What do you want? You know, <laughs> you still here? <laughs> I was having a great time in my meditation chamber to ruin this. <laughs> so, okay, so this is what the Reverend Mother like this this thing that she says is the hint, right? The willow submits to the wind and prospers until one day it is many willows." The wall against the wind is the willow's purpose. Right. Paul stares at her. She said purpose. He felt the word buffet him, reinfecting him with terrible purpose. And then he just gets pissed. Like, oh, you thought you were going to help me. <laughs> right. He says, you, you think I could be this kid's rock hatterack? He said, you talk about me, but you haven't said one thing you can do to help my father. I've heard you talking to my mother. You talk as if my father were already dead. Well, he isn't. Right. Like, come on, we are going to do something. And that's when the Reverend Mother was like, well, welcome to the first lesson of the Benedict Jesuit. Like, yeah. some things are just unavoidable and there's nothing we can do about that. Right. If there, was a, if there were a thing to be done for him, we'd have done it. Which yeah. Is pessimistic and kind of a bummer, Reverend right. Mother. She, yeah, she definitely thinks that, like, there's nothing about the situation that's good. Everything's just a big old trap, and there's nothing they can do about it. They're going into a giant pit. Shoot. And so then uh, Paul kind of, she's about to leave. She steps close to Paul, stares down, and says, goodbye, young human. I hope you make it. But if you don't, well, we shall succeed. Like, this plan's been going for a thousand years. I like you. You're probably going to die. Good luck, though. <laughs> right. Oh, this is where this chapter gets interesting right at the end as well. I don't think we talked about this at all. Um, like, um, as as she's leaving, Jessica caught one glimpse of the Reverend Mother's face as she turned away. There had been tears on the seam cheeks. The tears were more unnerving than any other word or sign that had passed between them this day. So like, even though the Reverend mother was like 
suppressing all of this emotion and just trying to be like salty and cutting with her words, she is like emotionally invested in this whole situation. Yes. Yeah. And she's trying not to let it show at all, but like it, like Jessica's treason to the Bene Gesserit goes down in history. Right. Like for thousands of years, they're talking about, you know, pulling a lady Jessica. Are you going to trust your heart more than your duties? And you can kind of see that playing right now with the Reverend Mother. Like, this is what I, like my heart goes with you, but I know I have my duties to stay. And I think we talked about this last chapter. We talked about her, but she's actually, I don't know if she knows this, but Lady Jessica is actually her daughter. Oh, the plot thickens. <laughs> Family drama. So I don't know if they exactly know and how that works in the Bene Gesserit probably pull away at a child. And so there is no family attachment, Jedi Knight status. But right. Because, you know, if you were to have family attachments, you would then lead with your heart instead of your brain and something that might, the system might tip in another direction. Right, Gosh. which is... That's like what they're blaming Jessica for this whole time is like, if you had just not gotten attached to this family and to your husband and tried to make him happy, then like this all would have been simpler politically. Yeah. And now I'm totally seeing the correlations between Star Wars and this right now. <laughs> and that's why this is the Godfather granddaddy Lord of the Rings of science fiction. Cause I right. think lots of motifs are pulled from this book and why I'm excited to share it with all of you. Especially you, Evan. No. Because I know you're going to read it. I don't know if anybody else will listen or read, but we're happy to have you if you're here. <laughs> do we're we excited. have any way of even knowing if people are listening to this? We're going to do it anyway, but you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter at, at Reading Dune. I'd love so to hear So we from know you. that you're out there. <laughs> we know that you exist in the Imperium of the Internet. Where wow. we are not emperors, we are just lowly Fremen doing our what have we've been trained to by the missionary Productiva <laughs> and making podcasts. That's too close to home. That's too- <laughs> Y'all can Google us in your free time and know why that's too close to home. <laughs> I know that would hurt a little bit. I'm sorry, but I'm here for you. You know, any other questions, Evan? I know the store chapter was kind of really short. We kind of just, at the end of the Reverend Mother, she probably doesn't show up anymore. Oh, That's really? I think, yeah. We, she just sets in the plot of, yo, this is what you're walking into. Good job, Jessica. You royally effed this for everybody. Right. Interesting. I thought she was going to be like a main person just because of her status. I think she's just there to set up like the precedence and the the big overarching idea that, this is just going down downhill fast. Right. In oh, all of okay. history. I have a I have a question. Um and this will go down in history as one of the biggest mess ups of all time in science fiction, but still. <laughs> like the plot of the story. Um at some point they say Reverend Mother something, 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 like a whole long name. Was that her name? That's her name. Yeah. Reverend okay. Gaius Helen Mahamam. She has okay. three names. Cool. I think I was confused about that. Yeah, you get another name when you become a reverend mother because technically you become more than just yourself. Cool. Because you have all of the past memories. And yeah, 
Yeah. I didn't know if they were talking about another Reverend Mother or something like that. So No, that that's she's the only one only Reverend Mother from the Bene Gesserit that we meet in this book. Oh, okay. Cool. Um but they are a recurring character or order, I should say, in all of Frank Herbert's Dune books. Cool. So, yes. All right. Well, I just want to thank everybody for listening, and we will see you in the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, we will. (laughs) Yeah, we will. (laughs) 